you are Locked On Indians, your daily Cleveland Indians podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Locked on Indians. I am your host, Jeff Ellis, Draft Edition. Yeah, we also still have the Pat Chat to occur from last week, and I'll have that in the second half, second and third segments of the show. But let's talk Major League Baseball Draft. Uh, if you want to watch, the whole stream is over on YouTube. We did the top 30 picks on round one. Uh, lots of chatter. Lots of stuff you're not going to hear on the broadcast, honestly. Some things that... The rumors that I would catch and go through that don't pop up. That sometimes when you have that broadcast, you're just not able to dig into some things. We dig into it. We go there. So go check that out. Uh, let's get into it. Gavin Williams. Who is Gavin Williams, you might be asking. Well, Gavin Williams is a gigantic pitcher. I had him 25th on my board. The Indians take him at 23. Uh, it's the first time in a while we've kind of matched up in the first round. Was he my top player? No. He was not, uh, but I thought they were in on pitching so much so that I was talking to someone at like two in the morning, uh, the day before the draft, as you do, and they wanted some inside information on the Indians. And they're like, the Indians are so close-lipped. You get stuff right. You understand that organization. What are they going to do? Like my gut feel right now is a college pitcher. Uh, I think Michael McGreevy, we'll get into McGreevy in a moment. Uh, makes a lot of sense, but bottom line, look for a college pitcher with a walks per nine under three and a strikeouts per nine over 10. Gavin Williams, walks per nine was 2.32. His strikeouts per nine were 14.39. He is that player. He matched up to a T with what this team goes for and looks for. There's more than that to Gavin Williams. He turns 22 this month. He's actually a senior uh, yes, he does have an extra year of eligibility because of the COVID situation, but he is still, he is a young senior, uh, as it were, because he's still only 21. I mean, there are juniors who are already 22, uh, so it's it's not like he is super old, but it does affect, I think he'll be a little bit cheaper as a technical senior. He was drafted way back when in 2017, because again, this is his fourth year in college. Uh, Tampa Bay Rays in the 30th round. Now, I think it says a lot when the Rays and the Indians are the two teams that draft you. Uh, those are two teams that uh, do a good job when it comes to pitching development and, and uh, assessment, I should say. Now, Gavin Williams didn't pitch a lot. Just 68 innings his first three years. Uh, he only had five starts. This year, he had 81.1 innings to give you a kind of comparison point. And, yeah, he, he was excellent. And he helped raise his profile a little bit in the postseason. There is concerns in the medical reports. That's part of the reasons he did not pitch much. That's part of the reason why he wasn't higher. Like he would have been at at six foot six and a guy who has touched one hundred. That's right. He has touched one hundred while working out of the pen. Uh, he should go higher just based on that. But he hasn't because there are injury concerns outside of Sam Bachman, who went nine to the Angels. He had the most concerning medicals, from what I was told. Uh, just to dive into his numbers a bit more before I get into that, fifth highest strikeouts per nine, 11th lowest ERA, 11th most strikeouts last year. So, yeah, his the medical is a concern. The Indians have not been as worried with medical. They've taken a lot of players who are injury risk, and Williams is a continuation of that. 
He is a, as I put it, a young 22. He's still working on developing things. He is far from a completed pro uh, project. The Indians are going to have to work with him to continue to... Right now he's fastball. And, you know, beyond that fastball, curveball change. Slider, he has all four. I'm not sure any of them uh, right now are above average. He definitely needs to work on developing those. But he's, you know, again... Strikeouts per nine, walks per nine, match up with what this organization looks for, what they've had success developing. There's risk here, but he's also got a higher ceiling than Burns or Allen from a year ago, but is, again, high strikeouts, low walks. How would I compare him? Well, I had him 25, and I think I had Logan Allen in the late 20s. They're a similar value. I definitely would rate him ahead of Tanner Burns. If I dropped him into the Indians' top 10 ranks, most people will put Gavin Williams in the top 10 just because he's a first-rounder. Uh, he's probably like more like 11th or 12th for me. Again, very deep minor league system. That's just uh, the way I view it. End of the day, at that point in time, uh, I was higher on some players who still haven't been drafted. Uh, I like some of the picks that occurred after them, but uh, again, I had him 25. He went 23. That's totally fine. If you're asking why not time Madden, Ty Madden's fastball isn't as good, and he doesn't have that upside. Why not? Uh, I'm trying to think of the other college players who went towards the end of the first round. Uh, basically, bottom line is Williams' ceiling was as good as any college player left in this class, and he had production to match up with that. Uh, so they grab him here. The Indians will have two picks. You know, round two, competitive balance. They'll have a grand total of 10 selections tomorrow. So I will have all of those profiled on the draft on the podcast uh for wednesday so make sure to tune in uh, if you have any other questions about gavin williams who he is and the like uh like i said i'm betting i think their pool there was like two nine i'm betting he's like one five to two i'm thinking they save close to a million dollars with this pick which opens up for them we'll see if they go under slot with one of those picks in round two and then go big in round three which is what they did a year ago or what the approach is. There's some really interesting players still on the board. I have 11 of my top 40 left. I will do a second round mock, probably names only, if I'm being honest, just in terms of time. That'll be up over at mlb.blogspot, mlbdraftnow.blogspot.com. And again, go check out the feed. We did four hours of a podcast. You could fast forward to the Indians part if you want to hear me chat. But that's Gavin Williams, a good addition to the Indian system. Again, oh, and the Michael McGreevy bit, I promised. So McGreevy went to the Cardinals. Last year, I thought for sure Jordan Walker was the Indians guy. Uh, the Cardinals took him, and then I thought Michael McGreevy was the Indians guy. The Cardinals took him. The Cardinals are out Indian, the Indians in this draft. I know a lot of people talk about the Twins, too, that they had a very Indians draft. You know, I talked about on this very podcast. Chase Petty is not the Indians type anymore. That was not a surprise that they passed on Chase Petty. People are trying to find a landing spot because he throws 101, but the mechanics are just a mess, and he's the size is an issue, and he's a reliever. Like I don't see a way for him to be a starter. And the Twins drafted him, and then the Twins came back around and drafted Noah Miller, the brother of Owen Miller. So the fun fact with that that uh, I tweeted out earlier is, hey, when the Indians cut Bradley Zimmer, they'll still have a chance for some brother-and-brother brother matchups in division with Owen and Noah Miller. Too Too soon? Too mean? No. Uh, and then I do want to point out, uh, if you hear the name Denzel Clark tomorrow, he is my most interesting player. 
right now. Uh, you know, I talked about Nico Cavadas is a personal favorite of mine. Denzel Clark is a six foot five outfielder from Cal Northridge who walked 15% of the time. His cousins, Josh and Bo Naylor, his mom, an Olympic heptathlete uh, in the 1984 Olympics. He's a six foot five inch outfielder who walked 15%, has plus run and plus potential power. He is older, but again, with the Indians, uh, just keep him in mind. I'm not saying necessarily round two, but he could be a player that they, because he's going to fit well with your contact-based models, a bat pip over 400, as well as that 15% walk rate, good athleticism, good bloodlines. Denzel Clark, Cal State Northridge. Uh, we're going to take a quick sponsor break, and then we'll do that second part of that Pat chat from last week. So our first fantastic sponsor is Bet Online. I could not uh, go over and tell you a line because there are no games tomorrow for Bet Online. But as I said at the end of the podcast, uh, if we can get bet online to do a odds of the first player to the majors, you should bet on Sam Bachman of the red of, yeah, the, not of the red to the Los Angeles angels. That should be the player that would be the most likely to be the first to the, to the majors and over at BetOnline.ag, You can find lots of props like that. And on top of prop betting, there's casino games, live casino, race book, esports, you name it. They have it, uh, over at BetOnline.ag. That is BetOnline.ag. Remember when you go there, you want to use the promo code locked on. That gives you a 5-0-50% bonus on your first deposit. What promotions do they have going on right now? Let's go find out. Uh, right now, you get a 5% Bitcoin, Bitcoin boost for a limited time. You get uh, on your Bitcoin deposits, uh, 100% first-time crypto bonus. If you have never deposited with crypto before, you get a bonus using your crypto to deposit. Uh, you know, Using the 50% welcome bonus with the locked-on and yeah bonuses for crypto bonuses for all sorts of things bonuses if you're doing poker go check it out for yourself today that is betonline.ag promo code locked on i just feel like i constantly uh do not give this man his due i went to you know when you're talking about this team every single day like i do on the podcast you sometimes get in the weeds a bit and i was going through and just looking at like month to month um split data and it's not surprising that, like, for most of these guys, like Hernandez, like uh, Ahmed Rosario, May was their best month. And then they were closer to league average-ish in June, and July has been a disaster. Harold Ramirez was great in June. He had, he, you know, he had a very short time in May, but July he's actually played well as well. At this point in time, I, I know what, Luplo can't come back till virtually August anyways, so looking at this team and with all these issues in the outfield, can we just put Harold Ramirez in one spot and just let him play every day? Do you agree he's kind of earned that, That much like Bobby Bradley? Just put him there, leave him alone. Let's see if we can have some uh, fools found gold, not fool's gold, found gold with him uh, in the outfield. Yeah, he's definitely taking Jordan Lupo's play appearances as a righty bat in outfield, and he frequently makes hard contact and. He's also pretty fast. They can moonlight in center field, so I mean, why not? I'm just I'm willing to let him play every day, like lefty or righty. I think I was kind of curious. So uh, if if you're listening at home, his runs created plus versus lefties is 122 versus righties. It's a 102. So he's above average against both. Yes, uh, he hits lefties better, which is you know loop low bread and bro- bread and butter. Sorry, I can't speak today, but I mean, he's hitting righties and. I just went in my diatribe about how bad they've been at finding outfielders. So I, he's one of those guys. And again, I was not his biggest fan supporter. I have to eat crow. 
with both Ramirez and Bra- Bobby Bradley. So we'll see how if they can continue. But I'm I'm enjoying it. It's, this crow is delicious because these are two of the better players for the Indians over the past few months. Sometimes you're wrong, and I will gladly be wrong when it means it's making this team better. But I feel like so we went through all of this. It's like at the end of the day, yeah. In an ideal world, you would have a better catcher, but the catchers just don't exist. <laughs> There's I talked about on the show last night. This is in the last, and I've talked about it before, it's like in the last four years, there's been two catchers that are consistently above average bats and above average gloves. Uh, Yasmani Grandel, who I just saw needs surgery, and JT Romuto. Guess what? Neither of those guys are top prospects. You almost have to get lucky with catchers. Uh, they're fine. You and I both agreed. It, yeah, like I said, the ideal world, they'd be stronger bats, but it works for this team. The infield, we both agreed, is pretty much set, good where it is. Again, ideal place. Maybe Rosario wouldn't be the defender at shortstop, but they do have options going forward. But you and I agreed there. And outfield, uh, one spot is good. The other two spots, you know, we can debate those. But it's interesting that for all the consternation out there that there's really only center field as the one place that you and I can both agree this, this is an issue. Because I, I don't think we needed a good dig into DH. I think Fran Mill has come back and already shown that he is still Fran Mill, right? Like that's it, we can just say Fran Mill is is fantastic and just move on from there with with the DH position. Yeah, honestly, if Fran Mill stays healthy and plays like MVP of the year, he's gonna get like forty million. He's an extension candidate too. A hundred percent. He's only twenty six. I think people forget that. Like he is. Almost the same. He's a little bit older than Ahmed Rosario. He's younger than Harold Ramirez. Uh, Daniel Johnson, who is just getting called up, is also is about the same age as him. Uh, Fran Mill is is young. He's he's younger than you think. Yeah, and he's under control for like twenty twenty five. Would you extend the DH like that? I'm, oh, you got real light on me again. Oh, I'm sorry. Would you extend the DH like that, like Fran Mill? Depends on the contract, I guess. I mean, I would consider it because I mean, DH is the one thing as we're debating, you know, extension, this and that. Go through the debate, the debates, no, the DHs, and a lot of them hold value longer than another position because you don't get that regressive value defensively. So you look at some of the players who play forever, it's a DH. It's, you know, the Nelson Cruises of the world. Uh, I feel like if I went through and I'm just having like brain shutdowns, but if I, if I put up a list of like the top DHs, you'd see guys where it's, it's a weirdly consistent position. Maybe I'm wrong, but in my mind, DH is, and again, I'm not opposed to considering him as an outfielder. I still think he would have been a better defender than Domingo Santana a year ago. That was one of those things that I'd never quite understood, but Tito gets things set in his mind. Right. Like Tito is the reason that Yandy Diaz never got a shot. And I already harped on that this week. And I'm sure people don't want to hear me do it again. But Tito gets something in his mind. And that's it. That's the story. Those opportunities aren't coming. So I'm also not going to shut the book on Fran Mo Reyes as a potential below average defensive outfielder. I'm kind of over that at this point, in my opinion. Yeah. He hasn't played in so long. I think they're going to, it's unlikely to happen. I just feel like the DH position just fits him so well, just kind of yeah. based on the roster construction of the team. Yeah, I just, I'd like flexibility. I guess that's what it comes down to me. I'm always such a big fan of like, okay, so 
we could, you know, having that DH spot open is almost like a non-permanent position is something in my mind. I just kind of love, I, I know it's not ever going to happen, but uh, I mean, yes, I was looking through the list of DHs and this is obviously not a list of qualifying players because the Chicago White Sox have like three players with no, with almost no bats listed, but you know, there are names that pop up repeatedly on these lists. So, I mean, I wouldn't be opposed. Again, this is a team that at the end of the season, who are they going to be paying? Uh, not many people. So I, I'm hoping, you know, the, the one upside to the Bieber injury is hope beyond hope. The, the fact that he missed some time with injury this year might make that actually occur, that they could get that extension. Because I think we've all come to appreciate uh, uh, what fantastic starting pitching is worth and how much it means to a team. Especially young starting pitching, you know, we're seeing it now with how the process of these guys seems trying to break these young stars in. And, you know, as young stars, first 30 stars, that can be absolutely terrible and then just be very good. And it's very strange, but it's just how baseball works. Oh, I finally got the Bradley Zimmer page to load. Uh, and, of course, they don't have outs above average for him. 97th in sprint speed, 86th in max exit velocity. That seems about right. Uh, but I know we're nearing 35 minute mark here. So probably closer to about 40 minutes podcast time. I did say at the end here, I wanted to give a chance to, uh, you know, I talked about Will Benson a little bit on the podcast yesterday. I know you were looking at him a bit much. I wanted to kind of give you a, a chance to chime in here on Will Benson. Um, He's hitting. Do you think he's playing him? I mean, because earlier, like even even like maybe last week or this week, I was like, no, he's not a 40-man candidate. And he's not someone I've put in that list of like 12 likely 40-man ads. Is he playing himself into the 40-man? Is he playing himself back into prospect status? Yes. I mean, I think he's still a prospect. I don't really think. I wasn't really that discouraged by how bad he was on Lynchburg and his first in the high A. And then... You know, I, I don't know if you, chances are you probably didn't hurt the, the podcast from yesterday. So I, I, I threw a hundred caveats in front of this. He is doing in double A. And again, this is a little Joe-esque in terms of the the contact rates and then the, uh, the walk rates and the power. Uh, obviously, he's not that level of power. No one is Joey Gallo. But is that kind of his path to success is a light version of that, a very light version of that? Uh, or am I just being uh, foolish? Um, I think, he, I think Will Benson could be very similar to Joey Gallo. Oh, I think, I think Will Benson might eventually hit for more contact. Um, I also feel that, Will Benson's base running skills kind of put him in a different category than Joey Gallo. Just just kind of based on the fact that Will Benson could probably steal 20 bags a year. That dimensionally level. And and Joey Gallo can't do that. Yeah, he's uh, 26 for his major league career. I was kind of curious to pull that up. Uh, the Gallo sprint speed's a 55. Uh, I think Will he, Benson would be like an 80. Yeah, I agree. Uh, he's uh, 
But he's and that's, that's why they need. And that's, a, and that's astonishing him. for someone who's six five. Yes, and that's exactly, and that's why the Indians drafted him. He's an absolute unicorn if he works. It's you go over to his Fangraphs page, for instance. He's six five two thirty, seventy raw power. His throw score, yeah, and it, I didn't realize this about him. I'll be honest, I didn't. I I knew he did a lot of things well. They they gave him an eighty for his arm. Yeah. Uh, I, I I would have in my head if someone said what's his arm, I would have said a sixty. So now that makes me be like an eighty. Okay, I need to re redress that because there's just not a lot of eighty skills in general. But uh, yeah, they have his speed as like a a fifty five now, fifty in the future. As they imagine he would thicken and a you know his defense being average. Uh, but yeah, thirty hit. It's like if he could get to forty hit, he could be he in that class. So he's. So yeah, so for everyone listening, where I've constantly told you the 12 players they need to add to their 40 man at the end of the season, uh, now it's looking like 13. And with Will Benson, uh, I'll be curious to see if they give Alex Call a look at some point, who's also playing very well. But I think all of this comes back around to, with this team, honestly, I am, even though there is this collapse and everyone is doing the sky is falling, their trades at the deadline... I'll stand by what I said with you last week. They'll they should make multiple trades, and they need to still be buyers, not sellers. In spite of the ceiling uh, falling out for a little bit due to injury, uh, if you again, like, well, we'll maybe take some of this and make multiple podcasts. But if you're running the team again, Pat, and w- the way everything's setting up, a are you still a buyer? And b what are you looking to buy? Uh, as the person in charge of this team, knowing kind of their needs and just knowing that if I don't trade prospects, I'm probably going to lose a few for free. Um, I am a buyer and I'm looking for uh, young premier talent that rebuilding teams are trying to get rid of. Close to the major leagues or at the major league level. So I would would be a Brian Reynolds candidate, I think. Um, I would be a a baby-ass candidate. Specifically looking for center fielders. Or, yeah, so like a, you're with Merrifields, Brian Reynolds, and those mm-hmm. guys. I, you know, I got into something in our, I don't know how much you, you look into the the chat with uh, everyone who's from Locked On about the idea of trying to get in on a Pirates uh, Braves deal to get Christian Pache. And it's just like, okay, we can go ahead and then have a gold glove center fielder for the next five years. But I, I feel like, yeah, exactly something like that at that position would be would be nice no matter I mean, I, I sure I'd love Cedric Mullins, but I, I don't necessarily think that's going to be able to occur with what he's doing this year. But you know, you, you mentioned earlier, they're setting up. Yeah, this is a down year and next year could conceivably also be a bit of a down year. We're talking about a team whose down year is probably going to be about 500 baseball with the wave starting to hit. And it's going to be interesting to see how they start. So our next fantastic sponsor is builtbar.com. I am getting my order today. If you're listening to this on Monday, that means I'm getting my new order in the mail uh, of four boxes of the uh, Grasshopper Fudge. It's fantastic. I This is honestly my sixth or seventh order. I order it. I believe in this product. I enjoy this product. I keep going back for a reason. It's delicious and it's good for you. It's going to give you a nice burst. It's also going to be filling. I'll often grab and eat two of these bars for lunch when I am at school. It's just quick and easy, and then it gives me more time to just decompress. Check out Built Bar for yourself. Remember to go to builtbar.com and 
get a mixed box. Try and see. There's always something fun going on, always some kind of deal over at BuiltBar.com. They haven't been the seller. They've been the team that is smartly moving talent before it hits the market. But now they're kind of the other way. There's not a lot of players who they have to trade before they lose. Now they have to be the team that's trading three for one, four for one. And it it should be an exciting, uh, it's going to be an exciting deadline for two reasons. One, the team is no doubt going to be better, I think. And two, it's going to be fun to see a lot of very confused old school types who don't understand why a team who's sitting around 500 is is going out and buying talent. Uh, it's definitely going to be a separator for the the old and new approaches where some people just look at a record and think, oh, this team needs to sell, as a, which is what I saw heavily on Twitter today. Uh, but it, 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 was, it was nice to chat with you and get someone else that allows me to not feel insane where I'm like, no, this team should still be a buyer. Yeah, this team definitely should be a buyer. And people who think this team is in a long-term rebuild right now are kind of foolish because, I mean, I mean, this is still a pretty good team at the major league level. They're just ravaged by injuries and they're young and experienced. And I know it's, I've been a broken record and I'm going to continue being a broken record about this. That's fair. It's it's fair. Yeah, it's fair and it's correct. Um, yeah, if I mean, they don't... And, and I enjoy these moments too about yeah. baseball. They're, they're very unique to see. I mean, they're, they're starting pitching is a disaster. Like, there's no other way around it. Like, you and I could both be fair, but like, where it is... For the last month, due to injury, is is a mess. Uh, you know, because it's not just they lost three pitchers; their sixth starter hasn't even pitched this year. It, Scott Moss should have been the first guy up. Hench is definitely, I think, you know, needs that extra time. Mejia, again, I'd have to look to see. He definitely never pitched above a ball before this year. Quantrill was supposed to be. I mean, they have. It's not even duct tape. They're making it stick together with with chewed bubble gum. This is. Uh, it's kind of on a level, it's ridiculous that this team, you know, you bring it up all the time and it's an extremely good point. It's the youngest team in baseball. And I'll say it again. It's the youngest team in baseball. They lost their top three starters and their guy who was supposed to be their first starter up. If something went wrong, hasn't pitched this year and their two free agent additions have both been a little disappointing and they're 500 still second in the division. And the only thing more surprising than all of that is the fact, well, two facts. One, that the Tigers are third in the division. <laughs> you know, they, everyone wanted to leave that team for dead. And I think too, that at the end of the day, uh, the number one offensive addition to this division uh, this past offseason ended up being Carlos Santana to the Royals. I think those are the two biggest surprises for my money in the central as we get closer to the deadline. Best free agent, Carlos Santana. Two, Tigers, your third place team. Tigers uh, in third so, place. Yeah. Wow. I, that, I, I can't. Yeah, I mean, they're and they are safely in third place. They are uh, a 460 winning percentage. Royals are at 419. The Twins are at 412. Oh, yeah. wow, the Royals have been choking that bad. Yeah. Oh, they completely imploded. Uh, well, it, you know, they a lot of guys but last i checked carlos santana is still in 10 no 115 runs created plus so you know the white Sox cut adam today i noticed they sent down uh german uh, mercedes because he's uh you know he had a bit of a rookie wall 
So they have their, and as I mentioned, Grandel got hurt for the White Sox. They already lost two of their outfielders and they cut the third. You know, the Indians went out and added uh, Grossman Hernandez, top free agent addition in this whole conference. It's either Carlos Santana to the Royals or Robbie Grossman to the Tigers. You can uh, debate which one, but yeah, it's, it's, it, it's phenomenal, phenomenal to see. And there's that part of me that like, honestly, like it'll never happen, but I, I just kind of sit there and go, you know, Carlos Santana is, He's got a, a 115, runs created plus. He's on pace for a three war. He would be the perfect addition for the Indians to trade. I, they don't need a first baseman, but my love of Carlos will never let me not want to reacquire him somehow. Uh, but that's that that I I could do a whole hour on Carlos Santana, as the listeners know. So I, I won't subject people to that. But I, I had to take a moment and make sure that people appreciate that Carlos Santana is still having a phenomenal year outside of this team. Uh, we're at, let's see, we're at 45 minutes, so we should probably call it a show. I want to thank you for joining me again today, Pat. I will chop this up. We're going to do it. Uh, if you're listening to this part, this has been part two of our conversation. Uh, I hope you've enjoyed it. Friday's show tomorrow, it's going to be draft. <laughs> you should know that. I'm just going to focus on the draft, talk about specifically for tomorrow's show. If you're listening now, uh, who names connected to the Indians, names who fit their profile, players to watch. Uh, day one of the draft is uh, Sunday. That means rounds one and two. So three new players introduced in the Cleveland Indian system. If you want to find my draft profiles, I've written up to, I'm going to go a little over 50 uh, profiles this year. That's at mlbdraftnow.blogspot.com. Uh, Pat, tell them where they can, oh, and you can find all of my links and stuff at Jeff MLB Draft. Pat, where can they find your information? They can find me at tangible underscore uno on Twitter. Uh, well, I want to thank everyone for listening, tuning in. Remember to rate and review, download daily. That really